Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod post NBA draft with ESPN draft analyst Jonathan Gavoni, the best there is. We'll hit on everything from Michael Porter to the Doncic Trey Young trade to what happened all up and down Thursday night's NBA draft and what it all means going forward. So here's my visit with ESPN's Jonathan Gavoni. The day after back here in Manhattan, Jonathan, thanks for jumping back over the Brooklyn Bridge and uh, stopping back in to go through this again. Thanks for having me, Woj. Uh, a really exciting night last night. Uh, a lot of fun. I thought uh, our coverage was great on TV and online and, um, you know, re- really great first year for us here at ESPN. And I'm just really excited here heading into 2019. Can't wait to get, uh, you know, continue our scouting and, you know, evaluations of this upcoming draft. 2019 draft. Wow. I'm already, uh, I'm going to take a nap before that one. <laughs> <laughs> Your laser focused on taking a nap. Yeah, that's, 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 uh, that's true. How do you think, did it play out? I think the top of the draft, it largely played out like, certainly in the last days, like we thought it would, that Doncic, Dallas, Atlanta trade was coming, that had been coming for a while, and it was a matter of, I think, Dallas meeting Atlanta's price, and they were determined to do that. It got more interesting in the back end of the lottery, but the top of it, did someone make a decision at the top that you said, wow, I did not expect them to do that? It was interesting to see how Dallas, you know, really went all in on Luka Doncic. Uh, I love, you know, this pick for them. I, I love him as a, as a secondary ball handler alongside Dennis Smith in Rick Carlisle's offense. It's always been built on having two, uh, really good guards. Um, and so, and I think Dennis Smith and Luka Doncic really play well off each other. Uh, you know, they, they, they paid a, you know, a, a fairly significant price. That's a top, it's a, it's a top five protected pick in 2019, which is not projected as the strongest draft. And so it puts a lot of pressure on Dallas now. They have to go out and, and win because you don't want to give up a, a pick in the six to 10 range. And, um, Nice little asset for Atlanta, but, um, you know, the, the comparisons between Trey Young and Luka Doncic are gonna, they're gonna be going on for a long time now. And, and so what all that happened there in that front office with, you know, whether to pick Jaron Jackson or not, and then, you know, kind of settling there on Trey Young, that is something that's gonna be scrutinized pretty heavily. And so what, we'll, you know, we're not gonna see how it plays out. Yeah. I mean, easily the two most hyped players of the last year, just more, there was, I think there was more interest. And Doncic and Trey Young than really any two players. I, I think our traffic on the site and, and in terms of what television wanted to see backed that up. Those two and that'll the trade links them even further into the future because I think ultimately Atlanta believed that Doncic was not a star or they, they would have kept him. But I think, like you said, getting that pick next year in Dallas that, that and that's the risky thing. Philadelphia last year. Paid a steep price to move up two spots in the draft. They went three to one, and in this year, uh, Dallas goes five to three. You know, sometimes the difference is negligible from you know what's available one or two picks away to give up. You know, especially when you're a team. I think Philadelphia can live with giving up a high pick much more easily than Dallas can. Philadelphia has enough talent to; they're not going to necessarily feel it the way. Dallas is going to feel it if Doncic doesn't pay it out. They need, you know, Dallas is in a, they're devoid of, of really good young talent. 
And that, what's interesting is that Dallas had the option to, to swap Wes Matthews for Kent Bazemore and declined to do so. I mean, that was the, the, the first iteration of the trade. And I, you know, and, and the Mavericks told us after, afterwards that it was just too steep of a price to pay. I think it's something like a $20 million difference, uh, between the two. And, um, you know, Kent Bazemore is probably a more functional player at this stage than, 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 than Matthews is, but, uh, you know, it's interesting to see how teams value the draft picks, you know, whether, you know, a top five protected pick is, is, is worth less than them than, than the difference between Kent Bazemore and Wes Matthews' contract. I think the other, the overriding story leading into the draft in the months and then weeks and days and hours into last night was Michael Porter Jr. And I think we, you know, we were monitoring it all week and then into the last day, I think we both got a sense leading into Thursday that not only was he going to drop, he may drop all the way out of the lottery. And I never had a strong sense that the Clippers, I think some people thought, well, they have two picks. They'll take a flyer on him and one of them. And they didn't see it that way. Uh, and he gets to Denver who, you know, I think for where Denver was picking, um, I'd gotten the sense earlier in the day, they were pretty open to the idea that he was worth the risk, but the fall of Porter jr combination of the medical reports combination of questions people have about the kind of teammate he is his maturity how he's going to fit this is a player who we saw play three games at missouri this year and there's a chance we may not see him play any games in the nba next year he could be he could be a redshirt that's not implausible and there were a lot of teams who the medical report that came out of his second pro day in chicago essentially a bunch of teams chipped in paid for one specific specialist to examine them it gave a lot of teams a lot of cause for concern and denver though ultimately it's a great situation they don't need to have michael porter on the floor next year and they're still probably they have a very good chance to become a playoff team they've been just on the outside the last couple years but that storyline was was pretty fascinating Absolutely. It's interesting to see how, you know, there were two separate reports commissioned and it, the the way that different doctors evaluate a, a player's long-term health prognosis is almost, you know, more important in these days than how NBA teams evaluate a player's talent. And it, it's so, there was such a sharp contrast between the first report and the second report in terms of, you know, the level of concern that, that, that they had about Michael Porter's back. And, um, I really like this pick for, for, for Denver because, um, I did some, I did some research on this and, you know, I found that in that range of the draft, in that 12 through 14 range, you're really looking at on average picking a player who averaged something like between six to eight points a game for their career. I mean, the, the, something like seven out of the last players picked at 14, um, are either you know, out of the NBA or completely on their way out of the NBA here. And so you're really, you know, you're not expecting to get um, a, a major talent there. And so why, if you're Tim Connolly, why not swing for the fences here and, and try and get a star? Because most likely you're picking a backup regardless, you know, I mean, at, at the number 14 pick, there's, there, there hasn't been an all-star pick there in, in, in 30 years. Um, it's something like 70% of the players there are, are bench players. And so, why not take a swing on Michael Porter? You know, I mean, was if I would have given you, um, you know, the odds uh, a month ago on, you know, who gets picked, uh, uh, Jerome Robinson being picked ahead of Michael Porter in draft night, you know, like you, you could have made a lot of money on that because, uh, I mean, that's yeah, the, when Jerome Robinson declared – 
was leaving BC early, I remember asking the question, is he a first round pick? Is right. he a first round pick? He was and, testing the waters. He wasn't yeah. sure. Yeah. You know, he, he ended up getting pretty good feedback here from teams. And, and you could tell all the way he kept it was teams in the mid twenties are getting him. Then it was, well, you're going to have to get to, I think the Clippers talked about getting to 19. I know the Clippers and Hawks talked about maybe a deal that would have been something like 30 and 19, which the Hawks owned to get to 12 or 13, one of the Clippers lottery picks. And the Hawks were targeting maybe somebody else, Lonnie, Lonnie, Walker. Lonnie Walker in that range. And the Clippers wondered, could we go back to 19 and get Jerome Robinson? And they figured out here in the last week, there's no way we're getting Jerome yeah, no, Robinson. The back Nuggets there. were looking very strong at 14 and Jerome Robinson, the Wizards at 15, the Bucks at 17. And so there's just no way that you could have um, moved back and, and, and Jerome Robinson's still on the board there. And so you know, I think it's a surprise for a lot of people, just the way that he rocketed up draft boards here and it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out and just you know his level of polish both as a person as a player played a huge role in that I mean his his skill level and and just how good he looks in a workout setting people went back and looked at his film and they said goodness like what this guy did in the ACC hasn't been done since Anton Jameson I mean he had one of the best just looking at what ACC conference play um, the, the 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 way that he scored and the efficiency in which he did it was astounding. And so that, you know, that's a big reason why Jerome Robinson moved up, you know, ahead of Michael Porter here. And so that's going to be really interesting to see how, how that plays out. Um, you know, that comparison between, you know, Jerome Robinson and, and, and Porter, because if Porter ends up going on to be an all-star, you know, there might end up being some heat here on the Clippers about, you know, how did you let this guy pass by you? And, and not just them, but also Charlotte, yeah, Philadelphia. Everybody missed on him. I exactly. mean, if that, in that case, everybody, when you start to look as different drafts come and go, and you get a sense of what teams are valuing and how it's changing. What's evolving and what teams value in, in their decisions now? Well, I think you look at how few big men were drafted outside of the top seven. There wasn't another big man picked until 25, and that's Mo Wagner, who, surprisingly for me, went ahead of Rob Williams, who ended up falling to 27. And Rob Williams is is is, is a good guy to look at because you know the intel not great the medical somewhat questionable you know it's it's people have conflicting opinions on you know what uh his long-term status there but you know once you get outside of the lottery to me how do you not take a flyer on rob williams because we're talking about how big men are becoming extinct and all this but to get a guy who can you know anchor your defense um who can space the floor vertically Tremendous athlete, um, you know, huge wingspan, uh, and, and has some budding skill to me offensively in terms of his basketball IQ and maybe potentially jump shooting. And so to, for him to land in Boston, you know, we, we know how much Danny Ainge loves guys who have an edge to them. Rob Williams has an edge. And so I'm a little bit scared if I'm the rest of the East now because it's like, wow, did we just, you know, uh, gift this guy to, to, to Boston who really didn't need any gifting if you look no. at the roster here long term? I mean, Robert Williams last year, his freshman year, when everybody was very confident he would leave, he was a lottery pick. He was a projected top eight, nine, ten pick. And I remember teams in the lottery were so angry. The guy had reported that he was staying in school and I remember getting a, a quick little spree of text messages of from a few executives in the lottery saying, damn it. And then Brit Miles Bridges, think of that, Miles Bridges comes back to school. Both of them would have been – there's no question they each would have been drafted higher last year in that draft. And Williams, if if Williams had just come out last year, worked out for nobody, stayed away from everybody, 
maybe the more exposure people got to him, the less it helped him. I, I think some of that played out because, you know, but you know, so maybe the year back in school is helpful to him in some way and he grew a little bit. It didn't seem very productive for him on the court. I, I agreed a hundred percent. And that's, you know, that's the, the thing that all these prospects that are weighing coming out or staying that they, they need to factor in. I mean, the, the list of guys who went on drafted yesterday is astounding. You know, I mean, I can talk, I can sit here and talk to you about how the top nine players that were picked were all projected lottery picks in our mock draft two years ago. But then, you know, I also had Trevon Duvall in, in my lottery uh, t- two years ago. And, um, you know, he went undrafted yesterday. Malik Newman, you know, top 10 recruit coming out of high school. You know, so it doesn't always work out that way. And, um, you know, obviously Rob Williams would have been, you know, a top 10 pick last year. But um, it's a, it's insane, you know, like the, the, the quantity of underclassmen that were undrafted. And then, you know, I'd really like to see the NCAA allow these guys to go back to school because some of these guys are now in no man's land and, you know, and, and who knows where they're going to end up. So, you know, why, why wouldn't they be able to go back to college? Unfortunately, it's not there yet, but they're, you know, Condoleezza Rice recommended that they allow that. And so hopefully that, that gets passed here pretty soon because it's much needed. Support for the Woj Pod comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash woj. Equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. I want to go back to the Clippers for a minute. This was a immense draft for them. They organization has not drafted well over the last seven, eight years. They've not developed players they have. They've not gotten much better. Uh, Lawrence Frank and Mike Winger run that front office now, and it's run in a very different way. It's it's a really intense group. I think Lawrence probably saw as many games as any top executive in the league over the last year. And for them to come out of this with a backcourt, you know, Shea Gilgis Alexander, who and I know Mike Schmitz believes is the best point guard in this draft, and and Jerome Robinson, who we just we just talked about. I think for them, they got out of this exactly what they hoped they would. I mean, they, like we said, they thought maybe we could get some value. We can move back and get Robinson, but they weren't going to risk it. And they said, we're going to, we better get him right here in the lottery. And uh, yeah, I, I think the Clippers did well. I'm really surprised. You know, you heard all week leading up to the draft, you know, that, that Shea Gilgis Alexander doesn't want to go to Cleveland, you know, for, and, 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 wants to end up in Los Angeles. I'm really interested to hear how this whole thing plays out to hear how exactly did all these teams in the, in the top 11, you know, allow him to, to end up there with the Clippers. He stayed away from everybody. He didn't work out for any of those teams in the top. And, you know, Charlotte though, 
he was always at the top of their board, and so they were going to get something for him. And you know, obviously, they draft him one spot ahead of the Clippers, and the Clippers have to do a deal there to to get him and flip the picks and, and then give up, you know, a couple of future uh, things. But I thought the Clippers did well, and and Phoenix is interesting to me. Um, obviously, uh, DeAndre Ayton at the top, they paid a pretty steep price to get Mikel Bridges, and I'm I'm a big Mikel Bridges fan. He's sort of in the fog of the draft, and I didn't get any really reaction from him or his group about his family, his agent, who all wanted him in Philly. I mean, they were, as people know, his mom works for the Sixers. She runs human resources, and it was a dream come true. Villanova kid, he's got a locker in their building playing for Nova and and goes to Phoenix. um, But for the Suns to give up that 2021 unprotected first-round pick from Miami, which could be a really good pick. That could be the first year of the high school players back in the draft, which means it could be a very deep draft. Ryan McDonough must really believe in Bridges. First of all, I think the three players that the Suns ended up with are big-time additions to their roster in DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges, and then Elio Kobo, who they got at 31, who I had heard all week was very firmly in consideration at 16. And so for them to end up with those three guys who I think all three can come in and play a role for them right away. And I think that's really what this comes down to. This trade is, um, you know, it's a pick that the Miami 2021 first rounder is a pick that could be a tremendous asset, you know, down the road. But th- three years from now, are those guys going to be there well, three years I, from well, now? Well, that's right. And if I'm Ryan McDonough, I traded that too. If your owner's going to let you do it, you know, he got that in the Goran Dragic deal with the Heat. And um, I would have traded it too. If they had another down year, the Suns, you know, Robert Sarver's not going to say, well, we had a a bad year again, but we have a 2021 first rounder. So, you know, it's all good. Somebody else would be picking that pick. Exactly. And and I think Bridges, they need need more character in there. They need more workers. They need more two-way players. And Bridges helps... He makes it a better place. He makes your room better when he's in it. No question. And and, and like you said, I mean, that's that's where they're going to go in from mediocrity to playoff contention. It's not just a matter of talent. It's also a matter of culture. And so bringing a guy like that into your organization who's such a professional and, you know, coming off a national championship, he's, I mean, there's not a lot of development that needs to be done with that guy. I mean, he's ready to play a role immediately. And then, you know, I go back to Okobo. Uh, you know, I think, I, I think that guy is, is a top 20 player in this draft and, and they really need help at that guard spot. He's a point guard with length who can play pick and roll, who can make shots off the dribble. Great feel for the game and also a big time culture guy. Um, you know, a great personality and, uh, you know, scored 44 points in a playoff game in France here a couple of weeks ago. This guy is not a project and he's ready to come in right away. I'm hearing that the Suns are going to give him a four year contract similar to a first round pick. That's how much they value him. And so I'm, I'm excited if I'm a Suns fan about what we acquired in moving into next year and that 2021 first rounder. I mean, who knows? I mean, it might end up being a pick in the twenties. I mean, what, you know, the, I wouldn't bet against the Miami Heat. I mean, Pat Riley, that guy knows what he's doing. Maybe the Suns are looking at that and are saying, you know, maybe that just ends up being the 19th pick in the draft or something like that. So who cares? How did Lonnie Walker end up at 18? I'm surprised by that, honestly. And, um, and again, you, certain franchises don't need to be gifted players. But if I'm the rest of the NBA, I'm looking at that and I'm saying, wow, did we just help the uh, rebuilding process move along here with, you know, a player who I thought was 
a top 10 or 12 talent in this draft for them to get him at 18. And really what he needs to work on are the things that the Spurs are, 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 are best at helping guys develop that. And that's, um, you know, locking him in the gym, uh, you know, developing his ball handling, developing his, his, his IQ, helping him become a more consistent shooter. The talent is there. I mean, there's not, it's, it's, he's a top, one of the five best athletes in this draft. And then his ability to make shots off the dribble. And you just look at, you know, the Spurs, they need help. Uh, on the wing, I mean, they're uh, a big chunk of their of their of their wing depth is expiring, and then we'll see what happens with Kawhi here. So, you know, there could be a role here for Lonnie Walker sooner rather than later. And so, if I'm the Spurs, I'm I'm super excited. I heard they had him top ten on their board, and so um, that's going to be fun to see see the one that, the way that plays out. Today's episode of the Woj Pod is brought to you by Mattress Firm. I've got a hypothetical question. Don't answer out loud or those around you will think you're a little bit odd. But who doesn't think that they're getting enough great sleep and would like to score big with a mattress upgrade? Mattress Firm is here for you to do just that. Whether you're sore from a game of pickup soccer or haven't played sports in years, they have a mattress for everybody and every budget. And right now, when you use the code PODCAST10 at mattressfirm.com slash podcast, you can take an additional 10% off already low prices. Mattress Firm has more than 3,000 stores nationwide, meaning there are no road games for finding a perfect bed at the perfect price because they're near you. And they'll deliver it to you on the same or next day for free. And you can even sleep on it for 120 nights to make sure it fits like a glove. Head to mattressfirm.com slash podcast and take 10% off today and start sleeping better tomorrow. They'll always have the perfect game plan in place to ensure you the best mattress for your body and budget. Jonathan, the Sixers, they, they had two picks last night's draft. They had 10, they had 26. Obviously, they made the trade for Zaire Smith from Texas Tech and then took Landry Shamet from Wichita State, which I heard people maybe less enthusiastic about than getting that big future pick and Smith. But it was an interesting dynamic in their draft room. Brian Colangelo is out. Ned Cohen and Mark Eversley were running the draft with Brett Brown as the ultimate decision maker. And, you know, if Brett Brown wanted to just think as a coach, he probably would have just kept Bridges, who could have come in and helped them. He, he loved Mikel Bridges. Brett Brown really did. And um, usually the coach would just say, well, I mean, what do I care about a 2021 pick? Let's just get the guy who can help us this year. And he, he looked at the long view there. And it was interesting. It was a front office that looked at the long view that doesn't know its future. They don't know if they're going to bring in another GM or president to oversee them. He could get rid of everybody uh, except for Brett. And yet you got to give them credit for not living in the now and, and continuing to kind of kick the can down the road by getting more assets and, and, you know, a young player in Smith who may not be ready right away on a playoff team to, to do a lot. He's, um, you know, obviously got some tremendous potential, but I think Bridges would have helped more in the short term. Yeah, if I'm a Sixers fan, I'm really excited about what this says about the direction of the franchise long term under Brett Brown, under Mark Eversley. You know, this is a move that you would almost anticipate seeing happening under Sam Hinkie. You know, and let's take the the long term view. Um, Zaire Smith, to me, one of the most tantalizing prospects in the draft. Not really ready to to step in from day one and and help a playoff team like Mikal Bridges was, but 
his upside is off the charts. I mean, I went on a million radio interviews and podcasts the last two weeks, and people always ask me, who's the sleeper of the draft for you? And every time I said, Zaire Smith. This guy is, is to me, is the best, best athlete in the draft. Um, you know, he's, he's 19 years old. He's the toughest, um, you know, uh, edgiest guy in terms of, you know, just, he wasn't a year ago, this guy thought I'm going to college for four years and I hope, I'm hoping to play professional basketball after that, you know, and a year later, he's the number 16 pick in the draft. And just what he's shown me in terms of his development as a shooter, as a ball hunter, even since the college season ended, you know, let alone November shows you what kind of work ethic this kid has. And so, um, I, I'm, I'm excited if I'm a Sixers fan because you get a long-term prospect like, like Zaire Smith. You get a 2021 draft pick, which if you're going to be trying to make moves this summer, you know, get into the mix for Kawhi, get into mix for all these, um, you know, you know, potential stars that are out there. That's a great asset. It reminds me of that Lakers draft pick that was, you know, traded multiple times that, you know, ended up, you know, that Sam Hinkie acquired. And, um, so I, 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 it's funny because when you think about head coaches being, you know, final decision makers, you think about, you know, the, the biggest criticism is that they're looking for the here and now. Who's the guy that can help me win a game next week? And you have to give credit to Brett Brown for, you know, involving his whole front office. And, you know, he's got a, a guy and, you know, Mark Eversley, who is so well respected around the NBA and letting his, you know, staff make that pick because it's very rare in today's NBA that you you, you see that honestly like uh, we, we talked about this throughout throughout the week I mean ownerships involvement different decisions so for them also to let these guys you know make the, the decision that they want I think it says a lot about the direction of the Sixers long term Jonathan who, who are a couple guys who came into this draft and are just devastated this morning about how it turned out for them who you'd say, man, they would have never seen this indifference toward them or a fall from where they thought they would be selected. Who, who are those guys today? Kata Bates D up at 48. You know, that, that was a surprising one for me. It just shows you how fickle the draft is. You know, I, I had been told that the Pacers basically had him, um, really high on their board at 23 and had Aaron Holiday not been there he probably would have been their pick at 23 and instead he falls 25 more picks and ends up at 48 to Minnesota which actually I think is a great situation for him because that's a team that has been searching for depth at that wing combo forward position all year long and this is a guy who was Big Ten player of the year you know, he, he, he was, he was in college for four years. He's ready to come in and, and, and compete for minutes right away. And that's a very valuable position in today's NBA that, that six, seven, um, combo forward with a seven, three wingspan who can defend multiple positions, who can make an outside shot, um, you know, who knows how to play and, and, and can, and, and can guard a few different positions. Uh, it's not, you know, he woke up tonight, today probably saying, how the heck did I fall to 48? But if you look at it from a long-term view, it might not be the worst spot for him because, you know, honestly, the draft is, it's just one night. It's just, it's a number that's by you for the, for the rest of your career, but it doesn't really mean anything. Jacob Evans to Golden State at 29. You know, the Warriors are looking for guys who can come in, find a role, play hard, like most teams of that part of the draft, but they don't have a lot of, ability anymore to go out and add to their roster and free agency they have just a bunch of minimum contracts when they bring guys in what did you think of that pick for them 
I thought it was a solid pick. Um, you know, if you're talking about a team that plays positionless basketball, I mean, that's what, that's what Jacob Evans is. He, he played a lot of point guard at Cincinnati, uh, but he's all, he's really a wing. He can guard twos and threes. And so he's, he's, he's a, you know, career 38, 39% three point shooter. He's got a very good feel for the game. Um, he, he, he likes to play defense. Um, he's a very, very high character guy who, you know, one of these late bloomers who people didn't expect much of coming out of high school, but just improved year after year. And, um, you know, so I think he's, he's a guy who you can slot him in a lot, a lot of different lineups with the Warriors. And, you know, he doesn't need the ball. He doesn't want to be a star. And, you know, he's just going to come in ready to work and, and, and play a role for them. Man, there's just a certain kind of guy you get out of Cincinnati, like Mick Cronin, Darren Savino, their assistant, like, you kind of know what you get with them. Like when, you know, it's funny, like I remember being at the combine and watching Javon Carter. And I said, like, if you just had a gym of like shirts and skins and you walked in, you watch it for five minutes and you say, like, who does that guy play for? Like, where's he from? You go, oh, he plays for Bob Huggins. Like they just, you would know him. You know what it looks like with that coach or that program. And, and, um, they've done that at Cincinnati, which is pretty neat because, uh, you know, how they built it and he just fits sort of the mold of a tough minded, you know, Sean Kilpatrick, guys who, you know, like got into the league after going undrafted. There's just a certain way they carry themselves, the way they play that's, that's, um, consistent. No question. Um, the other second round pick that I think wakes up today saying, how the heck did I fall this far is DeAnthony Melton, who got picked 46 by the Rockets. Um, you know, a lot of draft models had him, uh, evaluated as a potential lottery pick. And so it's really not surprising for me to see him end up with Daryl Morey in at the Rockets. And um, I think that's a sneakily interesting pick for them because first of all, he doesn't, you know, as Bobby Marks would tell you, he doesn't count against their cap for now. And they're going to go out and, and, and try and make all, the, all these moves in, in, in free agency this summer. And, you know, they can wait to sign the Anthony Melton until later on in the summer. Um, I, I like Melton's game and I, I like his fit with the Rockets as a guy who can handle the ball has a great feel for the game that is rebounds and defends. And uh, I think has shown improvement with his outside shot. So, for the, for Houston to get him at 46, I know that they were really targeting Jared Vanderbilt in this draft from Kentucky, another guy who showed up very, very high in a lot of the draft models. And, you know, it, I believe that he, they were the team that actually shut him down, the hometown team, but he ended up being picked, um, five spots ahead of them at, at 41. And, you know, he ends up, um, in Denver, um, you know, um, Tim Connolly's infirmary. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I like it for, I like it for, I like it for Denver because, um, you know, you take a guy in, in, in Porter who, um, you know, was once projected as a number one pick in this draft. You take a guy, uh, like Jared Vanderbilt, who was a top 10 recruit and, you know, would have been drafted a lot higher probably if it weren't for the, the question marks about the status of his foot and his long-term health. And so, you know, if you're in the second round, why not take a flyer on a guy like that? If you're at 14, why not take a flyer on a guy like that? And so that's what I like about, you know, what the Nuggets are doing because, you know, similar to the Sixers, you know, there's, there's an inclination to maybe, you know, go for the safe picks, go for the guy that can, you know, plug a roster, plug a roster of a hole next year and just come in and, and, you know, play five, 10 minutes a game and, and, and give you something. But, you know, you can find those guys and uh, off the scrap heap and why not take a, a swing on, you know, on a guy that could be a home run potentially. This episode of the Woj Pod is brought to you by SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has never been easier thanks to SeatGeek. They've created an amazing app and website that makes ticket buying easier than it has ever been. 
They pull all the tickets available on other sites in the one place so you never miss a deal. And more importantly, you aren't wasting time. You can even set alerts for upcoming events and they'll let you know if ticket prices fall. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is ranked based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone and I use it all the time. SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. You get to see the full ticket price from start to finish and they never surprise you with big fees at the checkout page. Now, here's the best part about SeatGeek for all of you out there listening to the Woj Pod. My listeners who make their first SeatGeek purchase get a $20 rebate. And to get it, all you have to do is download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, then enter promo code Woj. SeatGeek will then send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. It does not get any easier than that. So download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code Woj today. Jonathan, how much do you think what next year's draft looks like? Don't think it's expected to be as strong as this one. How did that impact maybe how teams behave this year? How teams valued having a pick in this draft versus having one in 2019? Well, I think you saw with, you know, Dallas not being afraid to make that move, you know, put their 2019 first rounder on the table go getting Luka Doncic shows you a little bit what they think about the 2019 draft. And I, I spoke with, you know, someone uh, in Dallas after the draft and that's exactly what, what he said is that, you know, we're, we're not, we don't think it's a great draft uh, next year. And so this is our time. If you can go get a guy like Luka Doncic, you only have one chance to do it. And so I think that's, um, you know, that, that obviously played a big role in that. And, um, you know, I'm I'm excited to kind of get out on the road here this summer, and um, you know I'm headed to Argentina for the Under 17 World Championship. I'm going to 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 Latvia for the Under 18 European Championship A's, and then to Macedonia for the B's. And Mike Schmitz will be out at the Under 16s and the Under 20s, and you know we'll be out at all these camps: Nike Skills Academy, the Steph Curry camp, and. Um, you know, just scouring, you know, uh, the globe here, trying to find, you know, new players to get excited about because, uh, there's, there's not, uh, there's not that much enthusiasm right now about this group. And, um, but, uh, but that could change really quickly. I mean, there are always guys that, that rise up. Um, you know, nobody thought Russell Westbrook was going to be a top three pick a year out of his draft. Um, you know, nobody thought Steph Curry was going to be a top 10 pick a year out of his draft. And, you know, James Harden was a surprise one and done guy. So you have to keep an open mind and you, you know, and, and I think there's, that's, you know, what's interesting about this upcoming college season is that there's a lot left to be undecided. And so, um, a lot of guys left and, um, you know, there'd be a lot of new teams. And so I'm, you know, I need to get a little sleep first, but I'm, but I'm excited <laughs> about, you know, heading, you know, scouting this upcoming draft and seeing how it plays out. When you go to like the under 18s, under 7 teams and 17 tournaments in Europe or South America, like what are the questions when you're talking to players there, coaches, families, what are their questions about the NBA? Like what are they and where they see themselves being a world away from it? Is it? change has it been consistently the same like the things they want to talk to you about or ask you about i think there's a lot of concern in europe right now about you know is the nba falling out of love with the international player i mean they look at the fact that three teams passed on luka Doncic at the top of this draft um atlanta sacramento and phoenix and they say 
if if there's not if they aren't excited about Luka Doncic, who has accomplished more internationally than any player in history at his age, what does that mean for us? And then you look at the rest of the first round. There was not a single international player, non-collegiate international player, drafted until the 29th pick when Janan Musa went 29. I mean, Janan Musa is, if it wasn't for Doncic, we would have been talking about Musa as the guy who, uh, accomplished incredible things over the last few years. I mean, leading, um, every tournament he was at in scoring, um, averaging over a point every two minutes in the Adriatic League at, at the age of 18. Uh, you know, having an impact in the Euro Cup, winning championships, and, you know, to see kind of the, how little enthusiasm he generated among NBA teams, you know, heading, falling all the way to 29, and then Elio Kobo, who we spoke about going 31. I mean, this guy scored 44 points in a playoff game being guarded by the defensive player of the year in the most athletic league in Europe. And if NBA teams can't get excited about that, I mean, young international prospects and their families and agents and, you know, executives over there, they're wondering, what does this mean for, for us? You know, I mean, it, it is the route, you know, do you have to come to college um, and be Mo Wagner, you know, for, for teams to get excited about you? Well, Jonathan, I know uh, you're on to the 19 draft, but I know you got a weekend away with the family here before then. So, man, great having you come back in. A lot of fun these last few weeks getting ramped up and get some sleep. Thanks, Woj. Our whole team killed it yesterday, and um, uh, it was just really exciting to see how uh, you know how it all came together for us on TV and online. And um, you know, can't wait to you know keep building it moving forward here. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to my guest today, ESPN draft analyst Jonathan Gavoni. Remember, you can subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes of this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Apple Pods or wherever else you listen to the show. And a big thank you to our sponsors. Be sure to support them the way they support us here at the Woj Pod. We'll catch you next time.